Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journey or their work-life balance journey so they can let go and make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. If you are new here, welcome. We are equally excited to have you tune in as well. The way this podcast usually works is that I share a journal entry of mine um, about six years ago when I was in the thick of the struggle and what I wish I knew then and what I wish I know now as a certified life coach. But today we have a guest with us. Her name is Lamore Bergman-Gross. And she is a woman in tech, which that sounds so badass if I do say so myself. And she is also a mom of four. So I'm so excited to have her with us um, to tell us more about her tech journey and her motherhood journey. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for joining us. So um, first of all, mom of four, how old are your children? Yeah, so I can't believe my, but my oldest, she just graduated high school. She's 18. My son, my middle son is 15 and I have twins. There are 12. Oh, you have twins. Yeah. Yeah. So I bet that makes life interesting when you have oh my gosh. two of them are twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I also have a 12 year old. And, um, I don't know if your twins are doing this to you, but right now we're hitting the stage of life where everything I say or do makes her cringe. She always says, you're so cringe or you're being cringy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything that could even be remotely cringe or cringy. (laughs) Definitely. This age is challenging as the, uh, transition from a child to a teenager for sure. Yes. And so, um, and now the other thing that she started doing is she started calling me mom instead of mommy. And every time she says mom, it takes me a second to register in my brain. Like, oh my gosh, she's actually talking to me. And then I'm like, yes, you need something. <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like, like almost a stranger in this, in this relationship now with my 12 year old. And so now the nine-year-old is also starting to call me mom. I'm like, look at the fine example you're setting for your little sister. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tell us more about your journey in tech and, um, and what you're doing now. Sure. So I started as a software engineer. Actually, I started on my, between my second and third year in college, I started working part-time as a software engineer, and from then on, continued with my career. So I was a software engineer, and then after several years, I transitioned into leadership. And mm-hmm. after about 10 years uh, being a software engineer, I transitioned into a manager because I realized I wanted to lead. I enjoyed working with people and leading others and helping others progress. We also moved, we relocated from Israel to the U.S., about 12 years ago. And then I continued with my career. My kids were very little back then. It was December, 2010. My twins were just babies when we all packed our lives and moved to the U S and from then I continued with my career as a manager and I grew into director of engineering and upon upon my return, I'm kind of, kind of summarizing everything like in a few seconds. 
but a lot happened there. And uh, and upon our return to Israel in December uh, 2019, I decided to change my career path mm-hmm. and support women in the tech industry because that's where my passion. Yes. So um, I assume that um, being a woman in the tech industry, uh, there probably aren't a lot of women in the tech world. I'm assuming it's mostly men in that industry. Yes, definitely. Uh, the more technical you are in engineering, like in software engineering, a lot majority is men and still is. Yeah. And so what was that like? Did you feel... Um, intimidated by that or were you more of like it doesn't matter that I'm a woman because I can do exactly what you can do and you just took it and ran with it so both I would say I definitely felt that I'm capable but I did feel at times again it varied between teams and and jobs but I definitely felt intimidated insecured a lot of times definitely you know it was hard because I needed to see more women out there and I see that I needed to see role models, mm-hmm. but it is possible for a woman to advance in the tech industry. And it's very difficult to imagine yourself growing when you don't see any woman up there. Yeah. So how did you persevere through that? What role models were you able to find or did you establish yourself as the role model? Uh, there were some. There were some, to be honest, uh, during my career, actually men helped me more really? than women. And uh, wow. actually managers that I have that were female were less supportive of male managers in my career, in my personal experience, unfortunately. Yeah, that's and, so fascinating that the women weren't as supportive. Do you think that they felt intimidated by you or like maybe that you were going to take their position since there were very few women in the industry? Not necessarily. I don't think they were intimidated, but maybe they felt that they needed to prove themselves. And that's why it was harder for them. I don't know uh, what were the reasons. But again, that was a personal experience. And uh, I think along the years, I got a lot of support from my husband mm-hmm. and also from, from different people I worked with. And I had a great mentor. And during my work in Israel, before we relocated, that supported me and helped me with my first engineering management position. And he really gave me a lot of confidence in myself. And I owe a lot to him. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So so you left your position in Israel and you moved your whole family to to the U.S. was that for um, a job position that you had received here? So it actually was not initiated by me. So what happened was that, um, so two changes happened to me when I was pregnant. The first one, when I was pregnant with my 15, now he's 15. And when I was pregnant with him, I applied to become a manager for the first time, Uh encouraged by my husband and supported by this mentor of mine that I told you about. And then the second change happened when I was pregnant with my twins Mm. and my husband was offered to move to Denver, Colorado, and his boss really wanted him to do the same position he did here in Israel, but in the U.S. Instead of being responsible for APAC and EMEA regions to be responsible for the America region, which was the, you know, the most important one for that company. And I was pregnant with twins. I was eight months into my pregnancy and I almost 
kicked him out of the house <laughs> when he initially raised that. I said, are you crazy? Are you F crazy? Right. I would not use bad words here, but are you, have you lost your mind? I'm going to have twins. I yes. was terrified that it is I said, no way. I'm not going anywhere. But then what happened? His manager was very persistent. He uh-huh. really wanted him to move. So what happened? I delivered my babies and I was home at maternity leave. And I guess hormones, you know, balanced and I felt more in control. It was not easy, but I, I guess I kind of faced through that. And I saw that it's less intimidated than I thought it was hard, but I managed and I got a lot of help and all that. And then he came back again, asking very, very, he was very afraid of me. <laughs> uh, about a month after they were born, he said, you know, my boss is still, you know, it's the last time I ask you. But <laughs> he said, my boss still wants me to relocate and we have a chance. If you want, only if you want, we don't have, to. like he was really afraid uh-huh. of me because of my first reaction. And I said, you know what? Let's do it. Wow. Something switched. I was ready. I was ready for a change. And then I just took over. I started making phone calls. I, you know, and, and, and basically I left my job in Israel and we, we all moved. Wow. What a journey. Yeah. It was uh, scary. It was scary. My oldest back then was six and a half and, and I had a three and a half year old boy and my twins six month old. Yeah. I can't even imagine moving halfway across the world with four small children. We just moved in October, just 45 minutes from one house to another. And that was crazy enough. And my girls are old enough to help with packing their things and unpacking their things. So I can't even imagine travel, moving that distance and coming to a place where you have no family, no support, you know, you're yeah. basically coming someplace, just your husband, you and your kids and having to start basically from scratch. Yeah, it was very difficult and very scary. And uh, so we did that. We took several decisions when we moved. First of all, um, I was determined to find a job as soon as possible. And I knew that in order to do that, I have to send all of them to daycare and schools from day one. Otherwise, I would not be able to focus on my job search. Mm-hmm. So we had to send them all to private schools and daycares and spend more money than we earned yes. from day one. Yes. Eat savings so I can focus on a job search. And I think one of the, I guess, things I would like to um, share here with the listeners is that sometimes you need to make some tough decisions. Mm-hmm. And in order to progress, you need to take a step backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's also what I did when I moved back here to Israel and left a high paying job. And, and so sometimes in order to leap forward, you have to take a step backwards. Yes. A hundred percent. And it's an interesting thing because I know there are times where we get so worried and stuck on having to pay for daycare when it's, or private school when it's, exceeding the money that we have coming in, but we, and we feel guilty for that, especially as, you know, mom's like, oh no, you know, I feel guilty sending my kids to daycare or to school. I shouldn't put myself first. I shouldn't put my career first. So I think it's really admirable that you were willing to, to invest in yourself and make that happen. 
and, and not feel, I'm assuming you didn't feel guilt about it. Or if you did, you just knew it had to be done. You know, as a mom, you always feel guilt some way or another, right? You yeah. always feel guilty on different things. So I cannot say I never felt guilty at all. I always do till this yeah. date. But there are several things. First of all, I knew myself and what I'm capable on, mm-hmm. of. And I'm not capable of being a stay-at-home mom. I don't have anything against it. I don't judge anyone for taking that choice. But I'm not capable of doing that. It will drive me crazy. So every time I took, you know, because I had basically three maternity leaves, I took a maternity leave and then I got back to work after a few months. I said, I cannot stay at home with a baby anymore. And I do know that there are many women who wants to take more time and stay home. That's fine. Not for me. So first of all, it was like the realization of what I need Mm -hmm. for my well-being. And then throwing guilt outside the window to some extent, not 100%, but saying like, this is what I need. So yes, my kids will go to a daycare or will have a nanny or whatever that may be. And I will not be at home with them. But it's better for for them to have a mommy or mom (laughs) that is happy, that is fulfilled, that is relaxed, rather than having a mom that feels like she's sacrificing her life for her kids. It shouldn't be that way. That's right. And I think that's where we get stuck sometimes is like the expectation of, oh, we're supposed to be a stay-at-home mom or we're supposed to be this or we're supposed to be that. And we step into these roles, even though they make us miserable and they drive us crazy and we're not willing to say enough of this enough, I need to do something for my own well-being because not only will that make me happier, but it will make me a better mom. Absolutely. And it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And what I mean by that, obviously you want to spend time with your kids, but if you spend quality time with that with them, but you know, it may be less time, but it will, it will count more. And they will remember the experiences with you rather than they stay at home all day with a mom that is unhappy, Mm -hmm. that is maybe angry, frustrated. That will not be a good experience for them. Yes. Or you, because it, it magnifies that mom guilt. It magnifies the feelings of not being enough not being worthy, not being lovable, all of those things that, you know, churn in our minds when things feel like they're out of control or we're not meeting the expectations of others or even our own expectations. Absolutely. Yes. So you put your kiddos in daycare and you set off to find this job that was going to be what, you know, gave you your passion, lit you up. And so was that an easy journey for you? Did you find something quickly or did that take more time than you were expecting? It wasn't easy. First of all, I was very insecure mm-hmm. and I had no idea how to look for a job. Definitely not in the US. Mm-hmm. I, because I left a job that I, I spent 10 years working at that company. So I was very rusty in job searching. And it was the first time I'm moving to a new country. And so I didn't know how to search a job in the US. And eventually what happened, I was uh, networking with recruiters. I was offering recruiters to meet for coffee. And I spent time on LinkedIn on really building a good profile on LinkedIn. 
And my first job was not the greatest, but it was a starting point. I wanted to, basically, I wanted to work as soon as possible from two reasons. Why? One, financial, obviously, because we were eating savings. And second, like to be in the job market, to work. It was important for me to work in my skill, like in software engineering management. But the company, the type of company that was not that critical. So I chose the first job that I found, I took. I'll be flat honest. And the company, and, and I remember that my, my former manager, he asked me, oh, how is that company? Is it successful? And I felt a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't even check that. And the uh-huh. company was not that successful, but it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It was a starting point for me. I learned a ton. I managed, I grew there actually from managing a small team to managing a much larger team. Wow. And, and I started to build my presence in the US. And then from then on, two jobs found me. I didn't even have to look for jobs, but it was the starting point that I needed. So I took a compromise because for me, it was more important to just start than to wait for the perfect opportunity. In my uh, nature, I'm not a perfectionist at all. I'm the opposite. I want to do and continue improve all the time. And I feel like people who are perfectionists who want, oh, I want a perfect job. I want the perfect, I want, that can hold you back. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And I love that you are willing to just put yourself out there and you invested in a strategy you didn't really know, but you took the time to learn and figure it out. And you're like, okay, I can see there's value in LinkedIn. I'm going to invest in that and learn that. And so I think what happens often and, and me speaking personally for myself is that we expect kind of this instant gratification, like, okay, I did a couple posts on LinkedIn and nothing happened. So that can't be it. And then we throw in the towel and we're like on to the next, but you really stuck with it and persevered and it worked in your favor. And I think there's such value in that. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I've been using that for years. And I think that uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Definitely, you need to be there. You need to be active and you need to continue being involved. I'll admit I'm not always as active as I want to be. But definitely, if you're there, if you continue to invest, you will see results. And I think that's true with anything, um, you know, we don't like, even with like fitness goals, we're not always able to maybe work out as much as we'd like, or to eat as healthy as we'd like all the time. Um, but being okay with what we can do is really what's important in the journey. Um, because that's better than nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you talk about working out. I'm a fanatic of workout, but I wasn't always like that. Uh Uh, To be honest. I mean, when my kids grew up, it became much easier. Mm-hmm. So I'm like almost every day at the gym, but when my kids were smaller, it was really difficult to work out. Mm-hmm. And I tried that and failed and couldn't persist. So eventually my husband had a brilliant idea. Okay. If we cannot go to the gym, let the gym come to us. So we uh, built a home it. gym. Yes. Uh, and I, I prefer to go to a gym mm-hmm. in person, but, but, you know, back, back in the days where my kids were crawling on the floor and like I had to be there all the time and uh, it was what I could do so if I could spend 15 minutes even on a treadmill I would do that and I feel okay at least I move my body at least I did something yes I love it I love that you're just so adaptable and you're willing to just 
if it's not coming to you, you're going to it or vice versa. I love your, your, just your viewpoint on being adaptable and taking it in any way that you can get it. I think there's a huge lesson in that because oftentimes we think, oh, you know, I'm not like 15 minutes isn't enough. I only have 10 minutes, so I'm not going to do anything. I'll do something tomorrow. And then the tomorrow comes and then it doesn't happen in the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow. And then we beat ourselves up about that, that all these tomorrows have come and gone and we've done nothing. Yeah, I know. And think about COVID, right? Everyone were, you know, we were all in quarantine and I was going crazy. I couldn't go to the gym. And, you know, if you think, if you change your mindset to what can I do and not what I cannot do, it changes everything. And when I was stuck at home during COVID, I said, okay, I have to work out. I have to do something. So I found this great YouTuber. Her name is Amy Wang. She's Asian. I I don't remember from, uh, maybe from Hong Kong. Okay. And she have really great exercises on YouTube. She's really, really popular on YouTube. And I started doing every single day. Some days it was 30 minutes. Some days it was less. Some days it was more. Some heat training. And it was really good to just do something, to sweat, to Mm -hmm. move your body. Okay, so I'm going to check her out on YouTube. Yeah, please do. Nowadays, I prefer to go to the gym. But back then, she really saved me. Amy Wang, great. I I really recommend her. She's doing these HIIT trainings that are low impact. I also have back problems. I have herniated discs. Uh So I didn't want to do anything crazy. Yeah. Uh, And it was great. Okay. So I'm going to put her, I'm going to put the link to her YouTube channel in the show notes so that the other <laughs> listeners can just click it and not have to go searching YouTube land to find her. Um, but I am definitely intrigued. So I'm going to check it out. So, yeah. so in case I'm not sure if you can hear it, but the dogs are barking, uh, only one Winnie, she's the barker of the bunch and she has not stopped this entire time. And as soon as I need to say something, then she starts barking. And I, so I'm not able to mute. So we're just going to we're just going to roll with it. Um, she is a little crazy lady. Um, the other dog, Franklin is like very happy go lucky. So he's just like, Oh my gosh, all this is great. And I don't know why she's barking, but I'm going to bark too. Since she's barking because something must be going on. And it's like, no dogs, Shh, quiet time. Um, but anyhow, so the other thing that I think is really important is that you are not afraid to ask others for help. Like you are not afraid to seek out a mentor or someone who can help give you guidance um, to help you on the journey. And I think sometimes we're afraid to do that because we don't want people to think that we're not capable or that we are clueless. You know, there's some level of vulnerability with reaching out to someone for help. For sure. For sure. And I'll tell you something. I'm a true believer in mentorship. And especially having a mentor that is external, that doesn't work with you because what you mentioned, being vulnerable and mm-hmm. being able to be vulnerable, it's much more convenient to do it when you have someone external because it's very difficult to just expose all your fears and weaknesses with someone you work with. I was lucky. To, my first mentor was actually an, a former manager, but he's so great he's so sensitive and and I I felt very comfortable with him I also knew him for several years and I was able to just be myself but it's not always the case with people you work with so having an external mentor is really great 
And I, I see that on, you know, people that I mentor, how I'm able to help them. And on the mentorship program that I created with Power to Fly, the women that, uh, you know, that were mentored there, they told me, I, I, I asked them how it was and I said, wow, having a woman, first of all, a woman mentor was impactful for them. And also having a mentor that is external was really great for them. They could be themselves and they can get an external perspective. Yeah. I think it's helpful when it's external, when it's not necessarily someone that you know closely, um, because it's it feels a little bit more safe to be vulnerable because there might not be that level of judgment that's there if it's someone that we know or we're really close to. So I think it's fascinating that your first mentor was someone that you actually knew really well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great that you were able to have that relationship with him where it was like you were close. And perhaps that's because he was sensitive and he was, you know, able to support you in the ways that you needed to be supported. Yeah, he's very sensitive and unique, um, but not, but it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why having, you need to figure out who can help you. It could be internal. It could be someone internal. I mean, there are definitely a lot of benefits to working with someone internal because they know the company, they know the people, they can a lot of times direct, direct you to what you need to do in that specific environment. And an external mentor does not always know all the different interactions of, of a specific workplace. So mm -hmm. definitely there are benefits, but not always you feel comfortable. So I think you need to balance what is better for you. Is it better for you just to work with someone you can be, really be yourself and not be afraid to be who you are and share everything? Or maybe someone that has the internal know-hows. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it shows that it's okay to, to take time to figure it out. And it's also okay to, to, to sort of interview people. You don't have to pick the first person that comes along as your mentor. You know, you can give it time and feel it out and see how the relationship is, but knowing that if it's, if it's not the right fit, it's okay to look for someone else. Definitely. I see mentorship like dating, Right. Yeah. It's two people. <laughs> it's two people trying to form a connection and it doesn't always happen. And to be honest with you, there are some people that I, I, I recently had someone who uh, kind of fired me oh. uh, from being their mentor uh, because and it was OK, because yeah. I wasn't what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. They needed it was a man and he needed someone really to give him all the answers uh, to give him more, I don't know, tools. Mm -hmm. And and he wasn't happy with my way of, of mentoring. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, that's fine. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and it's okay too. And I think it's great that you, you know, were okay with it because I'm sure it, it makes your life easier when you can work with someone and mentor someone who's a good fit for you. It's like, if it's not a good fit for them, then it makes the process of mentorship complicated. Yeah. And, you know, my goal eventually is to bring the most value I can. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not able to bring value to that person, then yeah, they would better off be with someone who can support them in the way they need to be supported. Yeah. So for um, anyone that's listening and they're looking for a mentor, um, what would be a good way to start? Is there like one step or something to look for? How did you look for a mentor when you um, were feeling like you needed mentorship? So um, 
I think, first of all, realizing what do you need and what kind of mentor you need. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you need a coach. It depends, right? It can be mm-hmm. a coach because there are times in my career that I actually uh, did coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a coach now also, but, but that I took a coach. And uh, when I was more, you know, a director of engineering, I was more advanced in my career. So realizing what kind of help you need and what kind of people can help you the most. And it could be in your immediate circle or you need to look somewhere. And, you, and there are a lot of mentorship programs and a lot of coaching platforms out there. Or you can ask people, either you can ask people in your circles if they know someone that they have experience with. Or you can just look up on different platforms or, or look on LinkedIn and try to find someone who you think can be a right fit. Yes, I think that's wonderful, valuable advice and a great place to start. If anyone is listening um, and they have questions about mentorship or finding a mentor or um, coaching, or they'd love to just connect with you, is it okay that they message you um, on LinkedIn or shoot you an email? Definitely. They can message me on LinkedIn for sure. They can connect with me. Absolutely. Fantastic. Or they can message me. They can on my website, there's my email. So either way, whatever feels more comfortable. Excellent. Yes. I always love when guests are open to, um, outside communication from this episode, because I feel like, you know, people listen and they're like, Oh, I need to talk to her. I need to get more information. Um, but can sometimes feel hesitant to make that initial reach out. Cause they think like, Oh, I don't want to bother them. Or they're always so busy. You know, she has four kids. The last thing she needs is a message from me on LinkedIn, asking questions. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? I mean, this is general, not just for me. If you want to reach out to someone, reach out. What's the worst that can happen? Right. You know, not respond to you. Okay. Yes. And that, that happens. Just, it's not a good fit. And on yeah. to the next. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this has been such an incredible conversation. I am fascinated by your journey of, of this global adventure of entrepreneur, well, corporate life, entrepreneurship, motherhood. Um, I think it's incredibly fascinating. And I love your spunk and your tenacity to make it all happen. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on One of a Kind You. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. Yes, anytime. So if you found this episode helpful, um, please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. I take the time to read all the reviews to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of support, guidance and a one-stop shop for resources um, because let's face it us moms and us women we have to stick together so thanks so much for tuning into another episode of one of a kind you and i will see you next week